0: Hey, everyone. It's Chad. Welcome back to Mission Daily. We have a giveaway for everyone that enters. You can win a prize at mission.org slash books. Steph, what can people win?
1: Books that you love. Do you want to read like a CEO? Chad has a bookshelf that probably has. I was actually calculating in my head how much you've probably spent on books because there's so many in our studio. I'd say there's probably 500 here.
0: So a fraction. Do you, this is, you don't even know about the hidden libraries. Oh, I have stored in oh my parents' garage.
1: Oh, I forgot about that. Well, anyways, it's called Read Like a CEO because we are taking books off of Chad's bookshelf and we are putting it in a giveaway.
0: Books are the best investment in yourself. And the reason why we wanted to do this giveaway, I recently started paying myself a salary. Yay, woo, woohoo! And which is a major milestone. And I wanted to immediately give back to everyone out there that's listening that has helped us get where we're at. And it's really exciting. So this is my way of saying thank you to the listeners. So at mission.org books, uh, I picked out a number of books from my bookshelf and the top 30 people who enter and you can see how to get more entries, all that stuff at mission.org books. Uh, But the top 30 people who enter get to pick one book from this list and I'll mail you a physical copy. I'll buy it. The next 15 get three books. So if you're in the top 15, you get three books from the list, your picks. And if you're in the top five you get five books each. So this is pretty cool. And you can get more entries for every single email uh, subscriber you refer.
1: Yep. And stay tuned for the next little ad segment because we will tell you why Chad picked some of these books to get you excited.
0: And mission.org slash books, go there, enter, and everyone who enters is going to get a copy of 100 Business Ideas. That's an ebook we created with 100 ideas to start making more money and yeah, maybe even start a business uh, this weekend.
1: Yep. So enter the giveaway and good luck. May good. the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs>
0: I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I'm Jeffrey Wright, and you're listening to Mission Daily. Selected as best of 2018 by Apple, Mission Daily is the number one podcast for accelerated learning.
1: Take a moment of silence while Chad is writing a novel.
0: I'll wait. This is important. This is important. Seriously. (laughs) I am serious about it. It's it's literally an important important activity. (laughs) I'm
1: I'm serious.
0: (laughs) So why did you start recording before I finished writing?
1: Because I was ready to go.
0: Okay, I was yeah, but I was just asking for like another minute.
1: We have all the time we want. I'll just We're read. We're actually
0: going to publish this, by the way. <laughs> We're definitely publishing That's
1: this. Fine, don't worry. I'll just read.
0: Because we have in a bit of a, you know, disagreement to settle.
1: What about your comedy skits?
0: Yeah, they're they're pretty funny and you should give me a break.
1: Okay. Comedy skits are funny.
0: I've got some good ones and I've, I make you laugh really, really hard.
1: Sometimes you make me laugh, but sometimes it's at the expense of me. And oh I was trying gosh. to explain to Chad. That sounds
0: so horrible and you, it's not true. That is you, not true at all. You
1: make jokes about me and there's no third person around. So of course the person you're making fun of isn't going to be like, ha, geez, that's funny. These you just really not, had a good laugh at me. <laughs> these
0: are not mean spirited jokes whatsoever. But they're there's still gonna be at so the many, expense
1: of me sometimes. There are going
0: to be so many people that are going to be like, that sounds horrible. You're horrible. <laughs> good. I
1: it's, hope they're on my side. It's, Thank you to all of not, you who are who are saying you that. Se- okay, you
0: seriously have to tell people you're joking because that sounds horrible.
1: You always say that. You worry. You should. <laughs> you worry so much.
0: It's, you describe it like I'm this horrible person. <laughs> These are not mean jokes. This is just simply being funny or saying when you come out like screaming about the French toast. Uh, <laughs> you were
1: burning it. Get it together, Ralph.
0: <laughs> Ralph, what? <laughs> What's that? What's that? I just
1: made it up. I'm I'm taking my comedic liberties to try try new things out. That's down. not funny. You laughed at it. You're still <laughs> laughing. It must have been a good one. I was one. laughing
0: because it's just absurd. Maybe you're just <laughs> an absurdist. You actually are doing a new type of art form. That is it's, my your comedy. Your comedy is so sophisticated. It's a performance piece. You and Shyla Boo, what's his name? Uh Shyla hey, Sh- Boo. Hey Boo. Shyla uh what's his last name? Bo- uh, before- Transformers.
1: Uh oh, Bo
0: Uh, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. I I don't know.
1: Jonah, can you look it up and tell us, please?
0: Yeah. Not important. That's why (laughs) we need you in studio. We need you in studio, Jonah, so you can be pulling up these things in real time to settle the important debates of the century. Hi, I'm Jonah. I'm the audio engineer. And for the record, it is Shia LaBeouf.
1: Yeah. We just need him now to do the, uh, the Apple, like, how do you say his name? And then just put that on the recording (laughs) over top of our voice. So it doesn't even sound like, doesn't even sound like us.
0: Oh yeah. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, that'd be super funny. So, you know, when we like uh, take a risk <laughs> at something a, every a time we, word make, or it, we say something, or something wrong. Like that. Yeah, because yeah, there's so many different phrases I've heard in passing that I kind of want to use because they describe something specific in research, but they're so hard to get right. You never hear them. And I don't even think they're in videos sometimes. We should is crazy, always just try it, which is crazy to think about. But no, nobody's going to know what they are.
1: Well, then you don't even have to correct it if people don't know if you're wrong or not. <laughs> and then we're going to get the <laughs> whole world saying the word like, incorrectly. I think
0: it just sounds like gibberish.
1: Well, What word do you want to say?
0: Um, I'll have to go back to the drawing board. Just saying. Uh, yeah, practice up. Um, so this is, wow, this episode's all over the place uh, <laughs> right now. But sometimes you have to explore and you have to have fun and you have to play. Because in those playful interactions and conversations, sometimes you can stumble onto something that wasn't there before. And that's really the art of leadership. The art of leadership is exploring with a group together. It's not necessarily saying, I know exactly where we're going. Uh, I know what the promised land is going to be like. I know what the new country or the new thing that we're building is going to look like. But it does mean that you have to be confident that you can be imaginative enough along the way to get the group of people that you're leading there. If you're confident enough in that, that's all it requires basically as a leader. If you're not, no amount of study, no amount of book reading, no amount of money that you raise from venture capitalists, nothing will ever help you turn your dreams or your vision into a reality. And it really all starts with confidence in your imagination. Are you trying to seek out the highest possible good for everyone that you're leading? Do you know what that looks like? And saying that you do, that's a huge statement. A lot of people say it very uh, just, in, you know, in passing cavalierly, but not many people will actually take on that responsibility. Most people will just, when the chance comes to lead, they will find a scapegoat, so someone to blame should they fail, or they will find basically just a bunch of different reasons why what they were doing was just not well-suited to work out. So that's kind of like the antithesis of leadership there.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of these interviews had, um, you know, when it circles around the idea of confidence, you hear that there were moments in their lives that they weren't confident that everything was going to work out and they weren't sure sure if their business was going to succeed or they were going to be able to keep all their employees. And as moments like that, when you've done all the research and you've had a long haul of being confident, knowing you're headed, like where you're heading Mm -hmm. and those little moments, also just being able to fake it for a little bit until you get past that feeling of, you know, imposter syndrome, or I'm not going to be able to figure this out because sometimes those little moments are the most important ones that actually have pushed All these leaders forward in their business careers.
0: Yeah. And I have something really important I want to bring up about imposter syndrome that I think is we have to talk about because this is a big barrier between where leaders are and where they want to be. All right. So, first radical idea of the day imposter syndrome is actually a sign that if you don't correct things, your mind subconsciously knows are wrong with your behavior, with your leadership style, with the direction that the team or the company is headed. You're going to fail and you're not good enough it is your subconscious telling you that you're not good enough because your current state of abilities simply is not good enough for the task at hand you're overwhelmed you're out of your comfort zone you're nervous you're not going to make it that isn't necessarily a sign you should stop it is a sign however you should take all possible opportunities and in opportunities basically to invest in yourself and what you're doing If you want to have any chance of saving it, because to lead, most people fail and most people fail in a way that's really public. So to avoid that, literally the only thing you can do is when imposter syndrome arises, start fixing the parts of yourself you feel to be really weak. And that's just an honest conversation about it, because I know that that conversation is going on behind closed doors in a lot of places where people who are looking to back the next generation of leaders are not looking for leaders who are going to uh, come up with scapegoats. They basically sniff out that behavior months or years ahead of time. They're, you're never going to have a long-term business partnership, or whether that's uh, capital or whether that's like a joint venture to enter a new market. You're never going to do that until you're so confident in what you're doing that you're willing to do things like putting up a personal guarantee, buying stock in the company, getting any type of like meaningful ownership percentage together behind what you're doing. And that can come in a lot of forms, too. It doesn't mean you have to start a company, but it does mean that you have to take what you're doing incredibly seriously.
1: Yeah. And I think sometimes it also, you know, it might not be the skills that you don't have when you're talking about imposter syndrome. It might be your mindset that you need to just kind of check. I was just talking to um, one of my friends. We saw up at Phil's Coffee this morning. And I knew she was going for an interview mm-hmm. and she would have been amazing. And the only thing I was worried about was her not going in with a really strong confidence level because she is the type to kind of, you know, be like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I'm good enough for this or I don't know if I have the skills for it. And when I saw her, I was like, how did it go? And she was like, I don't know if it's like, I mean, I think it went well, but I don't know if it's imposter syndrome, but I, I was just worried that I wouldn't be able to do the job. So, and she would crush it. It's just her yeah. mindset. And I told her, I'm like, oh, you needed to go in there with like, supreme confidence that you could crush that job because you have all the skills. You're better than, you know, a lot of other people that are applying. And sometimes you just have to circle back to like, what is your mind telling you? And how can you change that perspective you have on yourself?
0: So here's how to get that confidence. When those situations come up, you have to also recognize that imposter syndrome is basically, it's a measurement of empathy. This is really important. A lot of people in business have no empathy. There are people who work for companies that could care less about if the work they're doing actually matters. That's just you know, honest and real talk. We all know people like that and those those type of people don't have any empathy. So if you have someone that's applying for a position or ready for a promotion, you have to give them the opportunity to tell you things like that like in, in an honest way because if you're worried that you're not good enough for the task, I want to know about it. Because those are the type of people who are going to care enough about the work to take the advice of, well, what skills are you worried about? What skills do you feel like you you don't have now? Because so often as an employer, I know if if I had that conversation with a team member, whether it's uh, a peer or somebody, a subordinate, I would love the opportunity to say, let's get you this training. Let's get you this speaking course, this Dale Carnegie uh, course or whatever. If you're really scared about that, and that is an impediment to you doing your job or leading people, I'm going to rush to try to offer that to someone. And I think that that's an opportunity that a lot of executives out there miss. So give your people an opportunity to say, "Uh, I feel like I have imposter syndrome. I feel really nervous about this. This isn't a bad thing. And the role of psychologist is something that makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable when they hear about it. But ultimately, as a CEO, as an executive, as a leader, even a leader of yourself, let's just start there with with your family. You're going to need to in, inspire others. Yep. And hey. you, yeah, sorry, I, I'm yeah. Just ranting.
1: <laughs> no, it's a good rant. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of times too, when people either come to an interview, they think I can't talk, you know, about anything bad I've ever done, even when someone says like, "Oh, tell me about a time you struggled." It's like they always try and flip it to ending positively. Yeah. And. I think what, at least when I've been interviewing people over the past couple weeks, what I like is when people tell me something that they're struggling with because it takes the guessing work from me off my plate. I don't have to wonder, like, what can't this person do? Or what is this person, like, not really telling me? And I have to try and, like, make up my own idea of, like, what they're not telling me. So, yeah, in some cases, you don't want to bash yourself in an interview and you don't want to, you know, be like, here's everything I'm not good at. But I think being open and honest about like, here's some of the things that I'm kind of worried I don't have 100% yeah. of the skill set oh, for, for this you role. Be,
0: you want to be self aware. That's yeah. the thing. And here, here's the secret, too, that you will never hear. A lot of executives got the jobs and secured the opportunities that they wanted. This is my, uh, so part of this is speculation, but I've encountered a number of anecdotes now where this is the case, where they are happy to share that they, along the way, just how out of their depth they felt. A lot of these folks were just out of their depth in a huge way, but they relied on a number of in-person connections to help them get through it. I think that in our modern social media landscape, we forget that back in the old days, people used to meet up with friends, with advisors, with mentors, with partners that they were doing business with, and just hang out and talk and basically strategize together. And The most successful executives and CEOs I know, they do that all month long. That's that's basically what they do all day is talk to other smart people and they open up about the fact that I feel really nervous about this market. This is shrinking. I feel terrified that this team is not going to be able to pull this off. What steps can I take that I don't see that maybe you see to fix it? And it's basically this, this never ending game of catch up with people, become really good friends and then be each other's psychologists yep. at the end of the day. And we've
1: seen that firsthand when we do our round tables with the executives for IT visionaries and yep. marketing trends podcast when they leave when they're like, that was so fun getting to talk to people who are super smart, you know, other executives kind of going through the same struggles or looking, you know, ahead for future plans and stuff. And they oh, walk away like, that was great. It's because that's the kind of stuff that they need and are doing every day to advance themselves, their careers and their whole companies.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's uh, something where if those opportunities come up or you get an opportunity to seize them, you have to take it and you just have to get, go to dinner with more people. You have to get out there more because there's no insulating yourself or cutting yourself off or letting imposter syndrome keep you from talking about it and asking for help. These are the biggest impediments to leadership and not not nearly enough people I think are talking about the things that are going to stop you, the things that are really going to prevent your growth. So, Yep.
1: All right. So this week has amazing episodes coming up. Yes. Do you want to tease any of them or maybe say, you know, who do you think of when I say leader? Or what kind of traits do you think of when I say leadership? And then we can end it after that.
0: Yeah, definitely. So Greg Becker is the first guest and Greg is the CEO of Silicon Valley Bank. And I wanted to have Greg on for a number of different reasons. The first one is he is a uh, fascinating guy he joined the bank when they had around 50 million dollars of assets under management that's really small they could could have potentially been delisted because i think at the time he said that they were listed on the nasdaq and that's incredible that he joined at that time volunteered to open the colorado branch office then moved into venture capital he was one of the the pioneers of that at silicon valley bank and ultimately became the coo of the entire bank and then ceo and along the way He's led the bank to fifty-seven billion dollars of assets under management. That's crazy. That is an incredible track record. Like that's a company that is on a tear. And Silicon Valley Bank is their bank. Don't get paid for saying that right now. Although in the future, <laughs> I hope that changes. They are full, great. <laughs> full disclosure there. But the the point here is, anytime you see capital go from a small, you know, very uh, tentative. Shaky start like that to fifty-seven billion dollars of assets under management. You want to pay attention. You want to look look at that example. And not many people. I mean, most people don't think outside of like Berkshire Hathaway, SpaceX, the the very the names that you're familiar with right now. I think that looking at more traditional industries is um, fascinating because there are pioneers right now in emerging frontier industries like construction, like banking. That you know, it's easy to think of fintech and think machine learning and algorithms and things like that. But when I think of fintech and the future of finance, I think about companies like Silicon Valley Bank that, you know, if they keep up the rate at which they're adding new assets, especially in venture capital, and if they keep up the pace with all of these IPOs that are happening now, I think half of the CEOs use Silicon Valley Bank. That's that's incredible. Like, I mean, what if they get up to 100% uh, of that? You're going to have basically there's an opportunity for Silicon Valley bank to get all of the high net worth individuals and technology all using their bank. And you can do many interesting things as a financial institution if you get that model to work right. So that I'm like geeking out about it, but um, we need a whole banking episode
1: just for you. (laughs) um,
0: Yeah. So when it comes to long-term scenarios, I'm super bullish on Silicon Valley bank and next guest Is Elizabeth Gore. So, Elizabeth is the founder of Hello Alice. This is a uh, machine learning focused platform for small businesses. Basically, if you're a small business and you want to improve your business, there are going to be a number of tools and learnings and things that you need to know that you don't know right now. And there are even more that you don't know you don't know. And Elizabeth has a really interesting story. Uh, She's a successful entrepreneur in a number of different industries, including vineyards and wine. And in software and technology, Hmm. so she was an excellent interview, and that podcast is going to be available, and her story is going to be available on the journey as well, which is another one of our podcasts.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited about her interview.
0: Yeah, me too. And the next one is Doug Merritt. So Doug is the CEO of Splunk, and Splunk is a fascinating machine learning and data company that helps business use their data. So. If you think that there are a lot of companies out that help businesses use their data, you would be correct. They might say that. They might have that in their sales and their marketing materials. But Splunk is the one company that's creating an entirely new category of data, I guess, you know, empowerment really is the right word. And they're helping companies prepare for AI and a massive, massive shift that's coming in machine learning by basically turning their data from useless into gold. Uh, I mean, yeah. the, the goal is to take this data and turn it into actionable insights for every single business unit. And it's easy to think that there are things that are just a little bit outside your visibility in business. But the reality is, it's like Carl Sagan said, we're basically like all of human knowledge is a candle in a demon haunted world. Yeah. We know we know nothing. Yeah. Really so like this is the start.
1: Yeah, I really liked Splunk because it hit home with me when they were kind of explaining how they use their data and stuff with the company
0: mm-hmm. and how
1: they went into detail. You know, I used to always have to pull data at Google when I was at Fannie Mae, like always had to work with big data sets. However, when they were talking about it, they are like, we have all this data that kind of stays, you know, at the source. And instead of pulling it into a relational database where you know you only have a certain number of variables you can even work with. So if I were to go and like maybe query like a financial data set, maybe you have 10 variables that you can pull in and it's already preset, the data is already scrubbed, you only can access that. Mm-hmm. And they're <clears throat> explained to us how there's thousands of variables, it's dirty data. So a lot of people don't wanna play with it, but that's actually usually where the little nuggets of information are at a company, but the teams never have access to it because whoever built the database didn't think to pull that data in. yeah. And so essentially you can pull any data anywhere, but it stays at the source until you want to pull it in, which I found super interesting. And yeah, Doug was so amazing when he came in studio. Really great guy.
0: Yeah. Really, really interesting executive with an impressive career. And I mean, he's founded companies. Uh, he's just done so much, led sales teams. And we've got some really, really exciting news to announce next week about a mission and Splunk partnership, not ready to share that much right now, but uh, we are really, really excited to be partnering with a company that's doing good in the world in a major way. So quick example on the Splunk for Good team, which is their, uh, I think it's a foundation. It might be a nonprofit. I'll have to check. But what they do is basically stop human trafficking. And that's where uh, Splunk is working with a number of different organizations to stop what I think is the root cause of basically all of our cultural and uh, societal problems. If there's one source or just massive evil in the world, it's human trafficking. And we really have to stop that. And that's what they're doing. So getting an opportunity to work with a company like that is uh, really impactful. And I know sometimes with Silicon Valley, like I'm a big fan of the show, obviously like there are easy ways to satirize Silicon Valley and there aren't many people who are pointing out what's so good about it. And this is what's so good about it.
1: Yep. I agree. All right. And then the last episode, also really excited about this one is with Adi Arazzini. So she is the CEO and founder of Team Blends, And she was so fun to talk to because she was solving a problem in her own life. So she was in the military and she was having a lot of health issues on her own. And she went and wanted to solve the problems after she tried a whole boatload of things. She, I think she told me she tried like... Uh, So many, like 30 different ideas on like everyone giving her advice of try this, try that, do this. Doctors giving her advice, nothing was working. So she created different tea blends to try and help with her digestion and just solving her own issues and then create her own company out of it and went through a lot of ups and downs when it came to hiring and then having to like let go of people because they really weren't in it with the company, Mm -hmm. you know, going through a down cycle and then having to figure out and pinpoint the actual metrics to figure out why she was, you know, her sales were declining. And I really like stories like that, where it kind of shows the whole lifespan of a business and everything's not happy, happy, happy all the time. It's, you know, sometimes there's some pretty bad things happening and you have to really just dive in and get over the emotional barrier of like, oh, I'm just ready to give up, which she said she was ready to for a little bit there. And it was just a really good reminder of how businesses are built and how you can either, you know, step in and lean in even harder to figure out how to solve a problem, or you can, you know, back up and call it a day. So That was just a really fun interview. She was really nice and great. And uh, yeah, a great person for Leadership Week.
0: Cool. Yeah. Looking forward to checking that one out. And uh, I guess I'm going to check out all of these and uh, revisit some of the highlights. I learned a lot. I hope all of you do too. And uh, we have more theme weeks coming, more crazy guests. Hit us up on the socials, follow us and let us know who you want to see or what theme week that you want to see next. And we'll see you next time. See ya.